Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cornerstone. Why don't you stand up with us as we worship our King? do right now. Everybody, there's a lot of empty seats over here um, with sheets of paper on it. So Mike, maybe can you help me with this or, or Mark? But there's some seats in the back that don't have this little sheet. Hold this up if you do have it, okay? All right. And maybe Jeff can help me. Kyle, you can help me over here. But there's some people in the back that won't have these, these sheets. Everybody's got to have one. Um, so there's a lot of, I know we have, I think we have enough for everybody. So there's some sheets up here. Just hang with me because this is going uh, to be pertinent um, to what we're doing today. So as you get this sheet, I'm going to call these identity sheets. Often, um, often we struggle with our identity. Um, and you know, as I mean, Heather and I have shared with you, identity, my identity in Christ is something that over the past year I've struggled with. Um, and uh, so this sheet... Okay, it, it says, I'm going to go through it with you. This is a simple exercise. Um, and I want you to know now that this is totally um, anonymous. You do not put your names on these. Um, you'll see why in a second, but do not put your names on these. We're going to use it for a little exercise. First it says, why would God use me? Okay, if you have ever felt in the past or feel now any one of those three things, I just want you to put a check or an X mark next to those. Why would God use me? Either my, my past is too dark, I don't have enough knowledge about God, and that could have to do with I don't know the Bible enough, I'm afraid I'm going to get in a conversation and not have anything to say, somebody in a debate is going to tear me apart. Um, if, if that's how you feel, check that one off. I don't have the right gifts. Maybe you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. Maybe you don't know what your natural talents are. But you don't, God couldn't possibly use me because I just don't have the right gifts to serve, to serve God. So check that off if you've ever felt that way or feel that way now. And then down at the bottom it says, I've let blank keep me from serving God. Okay? Number one, if you've ever let confidence in how you look in your physical appearance. If you've ever let that keep you from serving God, I know that sounds weird, but I'm in that boat. So if you've ever let that keep you from serving God, um, then check that one off. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. If you've ever not, if you've ever backed away from serving God because you're afraid that you will fail, check that off. And then the last one is just laziness. Be honest with yourself. I just want you to take a few moments and really be honest with yourself. This is what we're going to do with these. We're going to take these, and, um, and after you're done, I'm going to tell you, and you're going to pass. I'm just going to give you a few moments to just really be honest with yourself and think about these things. You're going to pass them to the outside aisles, okay? Just don't look at everybody's as they fly by you just to know, oh, this person struggles with this because um, we all struggle with things. So we're going to pass them out to the outside aisles. They're going to get collected randomized, and then repassed out, okay? 
They're going to get redistributed totally randomly. Okay, so do not put your name on these because later on we're going to use them uh, for, for an exercise. So be honest with yourself. Take a few moments. And then in about 30 seconds, I will have you pass them to the aisles. They will get collected and then uh, redistributed. So go ahead and, and just take a few moments to be honest with yourself before God. All right, go ahead, go ahead and pass them down your rows to the outside aisles. And uh, Bob and, and Mike are going to come by and pick them up. Uh, so go ahead and do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray um, for us and as our service goes, goes on. Um, but before I do that, Rod Clarkson is going to come up. Uh, Rod, can you, you, Rod's going to come up here, and he's going to give us some exciting news uh, from the building committee. And so uh, this is something that we have been praying about as leaders, leaders of the church, and we really beg you to pray with us on all of this that you hear. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal for us. So Rod's going to give you that announcement, and then we're going to um, take our offering. Thanks, Nick. Well, uh, uh, I'm sorry we have uh, quite a few people gone today because this is kind of an important announcement. We've been working on something for quite a while, uh, at least uh, for a lot of us a lot of years, um, but uh, more so the last six months on trying to get this building purchased over on uh, Northwest Beaver Drive. Uh, we've been uh, had a lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, we're not quite all the way there yet, but it's very paramount that we uh, close the transaction before the end of the year uh, from the seller's benefit. Otherwise, he has tremendous, uh, a lot more tax ramifications because of the change in the tax laws January 1st. So we would not be able to, to have the, the deal that we have at this point if those new tax laws went into effect. Um, so we've got to get it done this week. We're, we've got all the uh, paperwork prepared to close on it. Uh, we are, remember, we voted on this uh, some months ago. Uh, we have two buildings on the site. Uh, We're going to close on two different days. One will be what we call LLC, which is a um, limited liability company, which will be called Water's Edge uh, Properties. Uh, we're going to own that. The, the same board that is the uh, board of the church is going to be, uh, for the time being, it will be the board to run LLC, the LLC Water's Edge Properties. Um, and we do that for tax reasons because it is an income property of which we uh, receive about $6,000 a month in income off the second building on the property. So we've, had, we've been working with the city um, of Johnston. We've had a lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, most recent one is uh, a sewer line. We were able to find that this week, finally, and we had, that, and we had it scoped. There's a couple issues with the sewer that I think will get worked out, the sewer line. We'd really like to be able to, to give it to the city of Johnston to have so we don't have to worry about it. But there's another property owner that's on the sewer line with us, and so um, He's got a couple things he's got to get fixed excuse me, before we fix that. So we're going to try and do that down the line. We think it would save us a lot of money if we, uh, if, in, the, in the long run, if we could get the city to take it over. Uh, but they won't take it over unless it's like close to perfect. So we're working on getting that done. So anyway, bottom line this week, we've got to close, uh, get this thing done. Uh, hopefully uh, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, we're working on, we got some, you know, we got to get some, the plans, uh, we have, do have plans by uh, a couple uh, people we haven't decided who we're going to use yet to do the finished work. Uh, it's going to take us a while to get that done. So uh, anyway, we're off and running, and I uh, hope you guys are excited. It would be nice to get in our own building uh, where we don't have to set up every Sunday and, uh, and do all the work uh, that the praise teams does and all the technical people and Larry and 
Kevin, you guys are here every Sunday morning, uh, loading, unloading Jeff. Um, it's just a lot of work for a lot of people that won't, we won't have to go through it anymore. So it should be an exciting time for us. I hope you guys are excited. We wait a long time, and uh, hopefully it'll be a, a good week for us. So thank you very much. We are excited about that. We are very excited. And you know what? Truth of the matter is, Kyle has presented to us over and over and over again 250,000 people that are unchurched, that don't know Christ in a 10,000 uh, 10, miles, that, that's ridiculous, 10-mile radius of where our new building is going to be. And really, reality is 10-mile radius of where we are right now. And these are the people that God wants us to reach. And that is encouraging um, because uh, there's a lot of people that need Jesus. It sounds weird to say that's encouraging, but he wants to use us to do it, and that, that is encouraging. Um, I'm going to pray now, and our offering's going to come around, and right following our offering, there's going to be a box that comes around with those sheets that you just filled out, and I just want you to pick a random sheet. Just take a random sheet and hold on to it for a little later in the service, okay? God, I just thank you for, uh, thank you for everything that you are doing um, in the world. Thank you that you are present with us now, God. I pray that um, as you have given us everything we have, I pray that we would be thankful for it and that we would give joyfully this morning. Um, Father, uh, thank you for the people that have worked tire tirelessly on, the, on this building project. I pray that you would be with them and their families as they put hours into it. Um, and I just pray that you would give us favor with the city um, and allow us to move quickly and move um, soon into our new building. Uh, we want to use it for your glory, God, so we lift that up to you. Um, just be with us now as we, uh, as we seek your face, as we give back to you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about the other guys, but on the weeks that I preach, I feel like Satan just unleashes his arsenal on me. Um, and... I have to spend so much more time apologizing to my wife, apologizing to my kids, and when that happens, Satan begins to lie to me about what I am capable of through him. Like, you, who the heck are you to just to, to, to bring the word of God to people? You can't do that. You can't do that. Your life, your life this week was not so glamorous. It was not so glorious. And Satan attacks extra strong on the weeks that I preach. But you know why I think that is? It's not because he's, he's, he's threatened by me. Because he's not. Satan could take me out. I could guarantee you that. But he is threatened when the word of God is preached. He's threatened when the word of God is preached. And now I'm not even saying that to say that this is going to be an awesome message. I'm saying that because I want us to be very aware of the reality that Satan is not threatened if you just hear the word of God today. Because he doesn't care if you hear something today and then go do nothing about it. Satan is threatened when we as individuals choose to put the word of God into practice. So I can tell you one reality this morning. If you make a commitment any Sunday, not just today, but any other Sunday, this may be, may be true for you already, or in your own time with God, you make, you make that commitment to say, God, I am going to live by this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strive after you. It's a good bet that Satan is going to start attacking you. 
we got to be aware of that this morning. This passage was hard for me, okay? And it's one of those passages that I just I go through, and my thoughts and my mind were crazy jumbled this week, you know? But the glory of being a believer is I get to say to Satan, really, I don't want to be just flippant about this, but I get to say to him, you know what? You're right. I, am, I can't do this. I am nothing. But Christ lives in me, and I know you're terrified of him. Because, the, because Jesus, we get to claim Jesus. That's another reason why this Christmas prophecies uh, mess, this, this Christmas prophecy series is so cool. There are over 300 prophecies, over 300, I don't know the exact number, but over 300 prophecies made about the Messiah, one man in the Old Testament. Kyle's talked about this, but the chance that one man could fulfill even eight, even just eight, that's not a lot, that's not a lot to ask, right? To fulfill even just eight of those over 300 prophecies. The chance of that happening is one in 10 with 17 zeros. I can't even uh, say that number, let alone comprehend it. I don't even know what that number is. I, if I wrote it down, I couldn't say it. But that's a huge number. Okay? It'd be like taking the state of Texas and filling every single inch of that state two feet deep with silver dollars, marking one of those silver dollars, and then setting a blindfolded person loose randomly in the state, giving them one shot to pick out that marked silver dollar. Essentially, it's impossible. But that is the God that we serve. He does impossible things. This is the Messiah. Okay? There is no argument on earth. There's a lot of arguments that sound good, but there is no argument on earth that can say that Jesus is not the Messiah. We, we just we look at it, and he is perfect in every way. This is the God that we serve. So two things are true this morning. If you commit to pit, putting his word to practice, he may attack you, and he may attack you hard. So be ready for that. But you know how you be ready for that? It's because you serve the God of the universe. And so we can proceed without fear, or we can proceed in the midst of fear. And so I just want to pray for us this morning that God would protect our hearts and that he would empower us. God, um, we, are, we are weak, but when we are weak, you are strong. So God, I just pray that, uh, that you would do your thing this morning, God, that you would speak through me, um, that your words would be heard. God, we desire to see you work in a big way. We desire um, to see your glory here on earth. We can know your glory in who Jesus Christ is. And so I thank you for that. So help me to serve well this morning. Help me to listen to you. And help us all to, to act upon your word, God. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to do a little review with you. We've been in this Christmas prophecy series for three weeks. Okay, this is week number four. Week number one, Tim talked about the first prophecy of the Messiah. Essentially, when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, 
you can no longer be in my presence. You, you must surely die. But what was God's answer to that? Here's the thing. The world today says, how could God do such, let bad things happen to good people? But God says, listen, it was your sin that separated you from me. My loving reaction to that was that I am going to send my son. He said to Satan, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. That the battle is won. That was God, that's God's love in the utmost, that he sacrificed his son for us. And then the week after that, Kyle talked about the prophecy of the virgin birth. That that gives validity to the fact that Jesus is God, that he came from God. He had no earthly father. Okay, and then was it, um, was it Larry King that said, if, you, if that could be proved to me, the virgin birth, that would change history for him. And then last week, somewhat in light of the tragedy in Connecticut, Kyle talked about the fact that Jesus is prophesied to come as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and to be all of those things in impossible situations, in every situation in our life as we live. Today, we're going to focus on the word messenger, okay? We're going to see what that means, um, and we're going to do it from the book of Malachi, okay? You can look in your table of contents if you need to. On my Bible, in my Bible, it's page 802. That could get you really close or really far away. Um, but uh, it's the last book of the Old Testament. It's right before Matthew starts the New Testament. We're going to be... In Malachi, the prophecy starts in verse 3, but we're going to go one verse earlier to uh, Malachi 2.17. We're just going to read two verses. Malachi 2.17 and 3.1. So let's read those together. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Let me give you a little, little history here. The temple was a very, very important thing to the nation of Israel. Started with Moses, it was called the tabernacle. That was like a, a traveling temple. It was a big, huge tent that, they would, that would move with them from place to place. This is where the glory of God dwelled on earth among men. And then there was the glorious temple of Solomon's kingdom. They built, he built this temple for the glory of God, and God's glory dwelt there among men. This was in a time when if you looked on the face of God, you could die. If you looked on the face of God, you could die. And that was crazy thought that the glory of God could dwell on earth with men. And so, a couple of things that Israel related with the temple. The temple is where the glory of God dwells and it's in our city. We are the people of God. And, and they equated being the people of God and being faithful to God with prosperity, with wealth, with God's protection. But Malachi, he was probably a contemporary of Ezra and Nehemiah. And we remember 
in Nehemiah how he prays and he says, he reminds God that yes, if we sin against you and walk away from you, you will lift your protection from us. You, you will not be with us anymore. But if we return to you with our whole heart, you will return to us. And when Ezra read the word to the people, they realized what we have sinned against God. We have turned our backs on him. We are not following him. So these, the generations that are in sight here in Malachi are, are probably the same generations and the same sins of the people were present here. And so when, when they talked about the temple, and this was, mind you, after the return of the exiles from Babylon that we read about in Daniel, but the return to Jerusalem, the temple had been rebuilt. The temple had been torn down, and then they had rebuilt the temple. So what, were, what would they have been expecting? We rebuild the temple, and the glory of God will reign among us. Haggai 2.9 says, The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. The, uh, the former house that he's talking about in Haggai is the, is the temple in Solomon's kingdom. Everybody knew about that. The temple in Solomon's kingdom. And so they're thinking, we've got to be the, the latter house here. But, but the glory of God is not reigning among us. And so now 2.17 comes into light. Because they say, um, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. They're saying, God, our enemies are prospering. This is not right. Where is the God of justice? Our enemies are prospering. How is this justice? We are the people of God. We deserve better than this. Right? So they thought, how can the people of God be, ha be having extended drought, pestilence, crop failure, economic oppression? This was not what they expected, and they were confused. And so Jesus, I mean, God's answer to them came through Malachi, and it was a very gracious answer because he gives this prophecy about the messenger coming to prepare the way for the Lord. And so we get to 3.1, and God is answering here their complaints. Where is the God of justice? And so God says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way, way before me. There's two messengers, I think, involved, involved here in Malachi 3.1. The first messenger is John the Baptist. Okay, This is a prophecy of John the Baptist coming to prepare the way for Christ. Okay, That, that passage right there in 3.1 at the beginning is quoted in John 1.23, Matthew 11.10, and Luke 1.76, and a few other places. But it is talking about John the Baptist and he came to prepare the way of the Lord. And then it says, it says this, um, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord. The messenger of that covenant was Christ. He was going to come to earth in a way that absolutely nobody at that time would have expected. Because there's a few things, 
there's a few things that the Israelites expected. They expected the glory of God to reign with them, that they would have, that they would have prosperity, that they would be wealthy, that they would be protected. But they also had this thought. They had heard the prophecies of the Messiah, but their version of the Messiah was a Messiah that would come in political power to reign as king on earth to save them from their crop failure, from their uh, political oppression. This is what they wanted. This is what they thought was going to happen. So when Jesus came into the earth, this is pretty much why the Jews rejected him. And I'm thankful that they did because that led to him being crucified and now we are saved. And so that's weird. But his own people rejected him. He was born as a baby in a manger. Not as an earth, not, not from, really was from an earthly royal family, but they didn't get that at the time. He was born in a manger. He, lit, he didn't have a home as he grew up. He didn't, he didn't, as his ministry started, he didn't have a home. He spent time with sinners. He was rejected by his own people and he was crucified on a cross. And that was a cursed death. So how Jesus came to earth is a big deal. Because this is the answer that people wanted to hear. When they were complaining and saying, where is the God of justice? Why is God's glory not here? They would have expected when this prophecy happened that, oh, sweet, yes, okay, God is, a messenger is going to come, the God of the covenant is going to come, and his, he, he will enter the temple again, and his glory is going to be among us. But Jesus came very differently than that, right? He came very differently. Jesus, I think, came to redefine what God's glory on earth actually meant. Philippians 2.6 says, and this is talking about Jesus, it says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, which was a cursed death at that time. It was a cursed death. And Jesus came in such a weird way to the Israelites, to the Jews, but Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the glory of God on earth. Everything that Jesus is, is the glory of God on earth. And this is who we serve. That is an amazing truth. And if we can grasp that, that everything that Jesus is, is the fullness of the glory of God on earth, then we get a totally different picture of life in general. We're going to kind of kind of go backwards here with this passage, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the messenger of the covenant, who is Jesus coming. And then we're going to look at we're going to look at John the Baptist and what his role would have been as the messenger preparing the way for Jesus to come and how that applies to us today. John the Baptist was 
the messenger of Christ coming in humility. The messenger of Christ coming. John said, I, the, the one who comes after me, I am unworthy to untie his sandals. Okay? And he was the messenger of the one Jesus to come in humility, to die a death on the cross, not in political power, to be rejected by his people. And we are Christ's ambassadors today. Let me tell you something. This is awesome. This is so cool. We get to look forward to Christ actually coming in glory and power, political power, to reign as the king of the earth. Is that not cool? That we will be part of the kingdom of God. Those who have Jesus as their savior will be part of the kingdom of God on earth to reign with political power. To reign without corruption in our government. To reign with Him in really this earth as it was meant to be. That is cool. That should give us a lot of confidence. There's a lot of things in, in this life that would cause me, that would cause us to hold our he- heads high when we walk into a room, right? I mean, you do something nice for your wife, and, and, and the other guys hear about it, you're the man, uh, you do something nice for your, for your husband, wives, and, uh, and you can hold your he- head high, that's a great idea, you did that for your husband. Uh, maybe your team wins a game, um, maybe you're performing at work well, you can hold your he- head high when you go to work, even in the church. It's tempting sometimes for the position of service to become a position of pride. That happens to us in ministry as well. These things, even preaching, playing music, whatever you're doing to serve here at Cornerstone, these can become places of pride that we puff up and we hold our heads high. But when was the last time I walked into a room and held my head high with the confidence that I serve the God of the universe? When was the last time I did that? Walking into, that would be kind of weird, right? I walk into a room and I hold my head high. What's up with you today? I serve the God of the universe. Right? We don't say that, but maybe we should. That would be weird to everybody around us. Even in church. That's just a weird answer, but it's the right answer. It's a great answer. And if I could say that every day when I woke up, Look in the mirror. You serve the God of the universe. You serve the God of the universe. That'd be weird as well. Heather would think I was just strange. But I think that that would motivate me in confidence in my life to live as the messenger that I'm supposed to be. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to look at John the Baptist a little bit and the reason that he actually came. Again, this prophecy, the messenger that come to prepare the way for the Lord, this is John the Baptist. So what's the big deal about John the Baptist? God, Jesus himself said there is no one greater than John the Baptist as far as prophets go. This is it. John the Baptist was a great man. But what did he do that made him so great? Um, we're going to read John chapter 1, verses 6 uh, through 18. It says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all 
might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus redefined what the glory of God meant as the Son of God. As the Son of God Almighty, Jesus made His glory known. The only Father, the only Son from from the Father, full of grace and truth. The important things about the glory of God on earth were not necessarily what uh, the Israelites would have expected. But the important things about the glory of God were grace and truth, that he was the light of the world. I mean, Jesus said things like this to the, to the audience at the time. This comes from Matthew 5. The audience in Matthew 5 were the Jews. This would have blown them away. Because of what they expected, this would have been, this would have been no-no for them to hear from Jesus. He said things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And then it goes on to say that we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. This did not match up with what the Jews were expecting. To hear Jesus say, blessed are the poor? What? That, we are the people of God. Come on. We're supposed to prosper. Jesus came to bring a different message. And here's the thing. Jesus was not so concerned about political power. He was not so concerned about people's wealth. What he was concerned about and what he is still concerned about is our souls. And he is concerned about the souls of the people that live in the 10 mile radius around us. So we've really got to think, what are we spending our time? What are we spending our money on? What are we doing with our lives to care about the same things that Jesus cared about? Are we 
super ultra worried about our own well-being, our own wealth, our own protection, our own need, or are we worried about people's souls? What does this say? It says that we are children of God. We are salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. See, there, often in my mind, and in the reality of the way I live my life, there's a disconnect between what God says that I am and what lies I believe from Satan. See, Satan is the father of lies. The Bible says this about Satan, that he is the father of lies, that lying is his native tongue. Okay? It is no longer a matter necessarily of the things that keep us from serving God or the things that keep us from seeing the reality about ourselves. It is the matter of the truth that you are what God says you are. You are what God says you are. Everybody take those cards that you have. Take those little sheets of paper that you have with you. Um, We're going to kind of go through this. Remember, you do not know who checked this off. And nobody's going to know who checked check what off. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read through this, okay? And when I read each thing, you look at your card, and if it is checked off, you've got to stand up, okay? Don't be, because this is not, just know, if somebody stands up, it's not a reflection of the person that is standing up, okay? I'll stand for every single one of them, all right? I'll stay standing. But this is not a reflection of the person that's standing up. It's to help us see that there are real people that struggle with the real things, with the same things that we do, okay? So don't be afraid to stand up. This is not a reflection of you. Know that when you look at other people. Don't be looking around at that person because they don't. It's not their card, okay? So why would God use me? If you are holding a card that says that has checked off, my past is too dark, stand up. Do you identify with that? All right, sit down. I don't have enough knowledge about God. Stand up. I feel this way all the time. Sit down. I don't have the right gifts or the right talents. Stand up. All right, sit down. I've let blank keep me from serving God. Number one, I have no confidence in how I look, my physical appearance. All right, sit down. I have a fear of failure. Stand up. All right. I'm not smiling because this is a good thing. I'm smiling because we struggle. We all struggle with these things. Sit down. Pure laziness. Stand up. All right, now, stay standing. If you have anything marked on your sheet, stand up. That's almost everyone in the room. So know that the things, you can sit down now. Know that the things that are keeping you from serving God the way that He he wants you to, you're not alone. 
that everyone struggles with these things. And I, the li- this list came from my own life. These are all things that I have struggled with, and some of them I still struggle with. Second Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Turn there if you want. If you don't want to, just listen. It's a good passage to listen to. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what is he? What does it say? He is what? A new creation. Therefore, I'm going to say it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you, on, the behalf, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The, the dictionary says this about an ambassador. It is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank, accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government, or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment, or number two, an authorized representative or messenger. Here's the thing. This is not our home. We are ambassadors for Christ. If you are a believer and you have Christ as your Savior, that is what you are. But the, the, the thing is that it is hard. It is really hard to take the reality of what God says we are on a daily basis and put it into practice in life because when you choose to do that, Satan is threatened by you and he will attack and he will lie to you about what God says you are. As John was a messenger of Jesus coming This is cool. I think this is really cool. Jesus coming to earth, fulfilling the glory of God on earth. Now, we are Christ's ambassadors on earth. So what is our job? Who do we represent? We represent Christ. And what do we do with that? We tell everyone else about him. We are here as his ambassadors, as his messengers, because he will come again. He is coming back. And when he comes back, those who are saved are going to be in glory with him. Those who are not are going to be separated from him forever in hell. I do not want that to happen to anybody I know. I've got to be who God says I am. And so to combat the lies that Satan feeds me, what do I do? 
wake up every day this week and say to yourself or say to your spouse, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am his ambassador. This is my job. And he did not leave me to do it alone. He gave me, what am I? I am also defined as the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. The glory of God through the Holy Spirit inside the temple. Inside the temple. The glory of God lives in me. That is insane. But it's awesome that God would do that. What do I expect from God? I have no idea. Except that He's with me. Except that I don't have to be afraid. And it all starts so I, so I can live my life living in the guilt of my past sins, living believing the lie that Satan has told me, or I could step into the role that God has for me because he didn't leave me alone. He gave me his spirit. He gave me his power to be able to do it. Whatever God is calling you to do, everyone else in the room struggles with the same reasons why not to do them. That's why God has empowered us to be his ambassadors. But in order to do that, it is, none of it is possible. Band, you guys can come back up right now. None of that is possible without starting here. We've got to start with remembering what Christ did for us. What Christ did for us was give his body and his blood of what? The new covenant with his people so that we can live in what we have been made. And that is new. We are a new creation. So as, as we play these last few songs together, just really think about that. In light of what Christ has done for us, you are made a new creation. And, and really, if you have no idea what I'm talking about this morning, if, this is not, if, if that's not real for you, if Christ is not real for you, just pay attention to what is happening here. Watch and know that when people come up to take the bread and the juice, it's because we know what God has made us through the blood and the body of Christ sacrificed for us. So let's just take, take time to worship together. God, I just thank you for everything that you have done. I thank you for who you have made us. God, I pray that we would live in that. God, I pray that Satan would be bound from our lives. God, that your power would overtake in our lives, that we would recognize your power and know your power and be filled with your power. We are your temple, God. So reign in us, I pray. Jesus, we remember you now. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your cursed death. You've made us new. God, we want to live in that.